It isn't, you see, only the goodness in human beings that is to, is to be trusted. They are also to be trusted to be a little bad. They are to be trusted to be selfish. Because, you know, a person who is not frank about selfishness is a big troublemaker. In the lecture, The Game Theory of Ethics, Alan Watts talks about the element of irreducible rascality. And it describes a facet of every person's character that should be a known quantity, but isn't received with the same connotation and the same attitude towards it. Carl Jung called it famously the shadow. Judaism calls it the Yetzirah. In Christianity, it should be known to Christians as he, uh, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And in common English pop culture, it pretty much boils to, down to nobody is perfect. It's not just because of the wordplay of the element of irreducible rascality that the topic fits the player Donghyun Rascal Kim, but it's very much reflected in his recent career, and this is how I conceptualize it. For the longest time, I've been uh, fantasizing about doing a content piece like this because I feel like the, the way Rascal's career almost imploded and how he came back and now how he's received now is an expert class in exactly this element of irreducible rascality as well as the compassionate and also pragmatic use of those flaws and how we as people stand to grow from this story now let's get this out of the way i've i've talked to a couple of uh, fellow experts um, I will also say that I personally also saw, thought this and the general idea was that a lot of people thought that after season one it was more likely that Rascal was going to be a washed player who will probably end his career after the season two, that being the higher probability scenario than him becoming an absolute top performer like he was maybe around Apex season three again. Of course, we now know that the unlikely case set in, and in this video, I kind of want to analyze how just this came to be and what his way was and how he uh, progressed through his career to be now personally one of the my biggest MVP candidates, even though we didn't give him any accolades this season. Now, after season one, it looked like Rascal that we knew from Apex never really arrived in Overwatch League. During Apex Season 3, he was famously part of the um, strong, possibly strongest DPS duo in the world, together with Bird Ring. It, there was a peculiar case where in Apex Season 3, almost every team seemed to be carried in terms of their kill share by the tank lines and the defense lines. And only in KDP's case was it the case that the DPS had a much bigger share of the overall kills and also a lot of resources therefore went into them. And them being such an anomaly was especially interesting because they became they came very close in Apex Season 3 to winning it all, only losing 4-3 against the led, now legendary Lunatic High roster with players like Toby, Miro and Jayhong still on it. And it was a very close final and it was a heartbreaking final. 
They then turn into, or the team turns into Cloud9 Kongju, already preparing for the impending Overwatch League, where it was pretty much intimated that th this team or this Kongju roster was going to be part of the Spitfire. They enter Apex Season 4, and in semifinals, they get blown out by GC Busan, who later also win the tournament, but most interestingly, join up in the London Spitfire. For Rascal, that meant that there suddenly was a player of the caliber of Profit, who, in the meta that we were in, pretty much did everything better than Rascal did at the time. So there wasn't much room for Rascal to play, and if anything, he would maybe t take play time from uh, Bertring there. After the departure, Bertring also seemed to be sort of uh, in a bad mood because of that, possibly um, mourning the, the, the separation of him and his, I assume, friend. Bertring miss Rascal. Uh, and that also never left the spirit of that uh, couple, if you want. Now, Rascal then famously, fairly early into the season, or uh, sort of early into the season, goes to the Dallas Fuel. In the Dallas Fuel, now, let's let's refocus our frame here because now a lot of people would probably think about Dallas Fuel as this team that really is a you know mid-tier lower mid-tier team that wasn't the expectation when we went into season one and potentially also not the expectation that Rascal joined it with because keep in mind Dallas Fuel was built off the core that was envious one of the best teams previous to Overwatch League the Apex season one winner certainly the if not, eh, I guess you have to discuss if they were the strongest team or if Rogue was in, in the West during that time. But certainly a team where you would have thought, eh, you know what, like they have a shot and a lot of the power rankings uh, had exactly that for them in store. So um, still people were thinking that Dallas was going to be a title contender and especially with Rascal coming in, Maybe that could happen. As it turned out, the structure wasn't right. Uh, Rascal didn't fit in, didn't speak English as well. And uh, ultimately, there were rumors that he didn't show up to practice, that there were attitude issues. Later on, it was explained that it was mostly because of uh, cultural and as well as um, language issues that he couldn't really like communicate what he wanted to do. Because one thing that we have sort of heard through the grapevine over these interviews and talking to uh, coaches and other players is that Rascal is a leadership personality that pretty very much wants to lead. He's a player from, from his in-game skill set. He is incredibly flexible. He is willing to flex a, around a superstar and sort of enable him. He has carry potential, but he also has these off-meta picks that can surprise that was already true during the KDP era but he also can grind himself into a position where his um, his specialized heroes that are meta are also extremely good and after uh, with that player profile he then was let go from the Dallas Fuel and 
entered free agency. Not for long, though, because NRG, the academy team at the time of San Francisco Shock, picked him up, and it looked like they wanted to just save him. Not sure if their initial plan was to always integrate uh, Rascal into the roster, in which case, great foresight to be able to make him such a p power to be reckoned with now. Or if they thought he was going to be a, a valued commodity anyway, and they were going to be able to sell him um, after the season concluded. Because if you keep him, uh, if I have my time windows right, I think the the roster signing window was already closed. They couldn't have signed him on an Overwatch League contract. They did sign him on an Academy contract, which grants uh, some favorable um, negotiation. Uh, Situations such as like being able to match other orcs that offer certain salaries and whatnot. So they were in prime position to keep Rascal. It just didn't look like it was going to be worth it, and it looked like it was really sinking cost here. And unless you had a very, very good vision for him and a good understanding of what he's about, from the outside, it looked like a, a fail investment. Now that we know with the excellent coaching staff that uh, San Francisco Shock have as well as this potentially best coach ever in Overwatch being Krusty now doing it over multiple seasons on two different teams forming like high performing rosters that can clutch out and uh, you know finish the perfect stages that's certainly a thing where Rascal his qualities could not have been in better hands than they were with Krusty, at least from what we know now from the outside. Now, it seemed like he never actualized his potential before, and he never actualized uh, as a player, neither as a teammate. And it is even more interesting that he then entered a, Ross, a, a team that wasn't that different in where they landed in the final standings. Shock and Dallas weren't that far apart. They had similar stories, and um, he once again ended on a dual, uh, sorry, a hybrid roster with two languages once again. You would have thought maybe that was the issue. So wh why do you keep trying? That seems to be one of your weaknesses. Nope. He takes his weaknesses, remains on one of those rosters, also has some faith in, <laughs> and now we have to say, not sure if that was considered faith or if that was just his only option. I have no in, uh, internal knowledge about that. But he enters the San Francisco Shock and it's a big question mark for the longest time. Well, it's not a question mark no longer because I tell you, if we look at the regular season, he would have been my uh, MVP if I was to go from stage one to stage four, which of course is not the situation with the, um, with the MVP voting this year. There's also some miscommunication that only half of the season was um, evaluated. That is not true. The The collection of the uh, MVP ballots ended, I believe, at the end of stage three. So that's a much more comple uh, complete feature. <coughs> Still missing, uh, of course, stage four. And there, while Sinatra is, for instance, a very fine pick and especially now backs it up in, in the playoffs, he only played four maps in stage four. And if I look at what either Huxall or Rascal did this season, I would personally say those are my regular season, season MVPs if I'm allowed to redefine what we in Overwatch call the MVP. Now, let's, let's contextualize this performance. So 
<clears throat> he comes into the league and it's Goat's Meta and he picks up the Brigitte um, duty and it's not just that he just picks up the duty but he arguably becomes the best Brigitte together with Huxal and in doing so has one of the highest player impact ratings. That's a rating that uh, Captain Planet, the stats guy from the Overwatch League broadcast came up with. Him and Huxal were sort of 1A, 1B in terms of uh, break performances as well as overall comparison to their relative uh, roles. So not only was Rascal one of the best Brigitte's, also the gap between him and the others was so big that it arguably mattered more than in some other roles, potentially, of course, not Zarya, but you know, you play what your uh, team requires. Then later on, he showed himself meta-resistant and even... I would say meta-anti-fragile in the sense that once the meta collapsed, he was able to play um, Baptiste, single-handedly making it viable, as pretty much the only person played Baptiste for the vast majority of that specific meta and looked to be the best in the league at doing so. It's also the case that he remained a staple player and my conception of it is that... While Rascal is a phenomenal player on the server, he also grew as a person and is now able to support his team. They have a lot of strong characters and also calculated, very rational characters on the San Francisco Shock. For instance, Moth being the more rational kind, Super being the more vocal, more emotional personality that sort of drags you with. The closest comparison I can make here is... Um, the World Cup 2016, where Philip Lahn was more like the rational leader and the actual captain, and then Bastian uh, Schweinsteiger was sort of like this guy that could emotionally drag people just by the grit of his performance, like having an open wound on the field, still going as hard as humanly possible, dragging the younger players with him. Rascal has now moved into this role as well, and is also, has to be considered an absolute veteran, also <laughs> as hilarious as that is at his age a veteran player and also one of the older players um, I believe or I think he's pretty flush in the middle actually but yeah so in general it is now the case that arguably his mechanics are worse now than they were in KDP relative to the you know absolute um, mechanical skill level that we had at the time and still, he performs way better, is way more integrated into a system, is brings way more value to his, uh, to his team. So how is that possible when there's still this underlying overdrive in him, when there's still this little rascal in him that still wants to be, wants to win all the time, wants to try very hard, wants to drag other people with him, wants to do it his way, wants to play all these different characters, how is it that even though there's an innate, inherent feeling with it that is just part of his natural character, how is it that he could transform himself to be this great player that I personally think was the MVP of the season together with Huxall? If, if I was to say the overall over the entire season, I would give it to Huxall at this point. Uh, otherwise, Rascal and Sinatra, also because of his performance on Doom now, would ver uh, come very close.
So how is that possible? Well, for one, as the quote mentions, you got to be honest with your sort of with the irreducible with the elements of irreducible riscality in yourself towards others. The best thing you can be towards teammates and everyone around you in your social circles is to be predictable. People need to know your boundaries and need to know what pisses you off, what you like, and certainly you also have to make concessions there. But concessions there work in tandem with the team, and you certainly can create a team identity incorporating all these aspects of everyone's character and therefore making it work and making it that you are desired despite having these imperfections and these imperfections arguably becoming your strong points in his game his mechanics aren't amazing does that matter as much no it doesn't he still was one of the best break if not the best break player in the world he was one of if not the best um Baptiste in the world he is one of the best if not uh, the best overall flex even though they, there we can uh, argue a little bit with the point but the amount of heroes he can play from projectile to hitscan yes he has glaring issues in his hero pool such as for instance his pharaoh was never up to par but that's fine you can create strategies around that as long as you are f frank with others and say here am I, that, this is where I'm vulnerable, this is where I have imperfections. You can plan around that in bringing new players in that could make up for these issues, in being very open with your coaching staff, in them trying to assist you, in them trying to create systems around it. So I guess what Rascal's career so far really brought home to me, and is also, I will link it in the description of this video what the audio lecture uh, about the element of irreducible riscality is about is to have a compassionate stance towards imperfections it is the fact that by seeing the imperfections in others we also understand what good things there are could you imagine if there were no negative aspects to anything, how would you be able to discern what good means? It would all be a relativist swamp of absolutely no ups and downs and it wouldn't be fun and it wouldn't be really satisfying either. And therefore, in seeing this imperfection in others and in being compassionate towards that and in being forgiving in being uh, accommodating towards him to a point you're definitely not going to uh, go past a point where it gets abusive where the other person's imperfection comes into play but where you create a system where you as a group can work and can succeed in this is what Rascal's career and especially the high point of the season has um, sort of metaphorically explained to me once again and the, he even has the possibility of crowning his achievement with a uh, league season title certainly a lot of people seem to be thinking that shock is the um the current favorite i personally have titans a little bit uh, over I, I think i said four to three so maybe we will see uh, uh, an amazing ending 
or potentially beginning we don't know where the shock is going maybe they are at the start of a long legacy of incredibly long streaks of domination of the overwatch league we don't know but we know it started here and it started also with the reblooming of rascal into this incredible player into this incredible leader despite having imperfections and we being able to accept him as he is the best team 80% of the time, or 80% of the value that, of that, is gained from sheer gamble. Ha, do I have the best players? Does he have like this particular skill set that is very hard to be taught? That is an special skill that requires years of practice to get there. Um, certainly you can hone them, but because we have so few iterations, we cannot find out who the best teams are in that particular regard. So let me clarify.